Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Let's meet again in Acts chapter 13. I got to tell you, preaching somewhere for uh, the first time always reminds me of the, uh, the couple, I don't know, they had late 50s, early 60s. The wife was growing increasingly frustrated with her husband um, because he just didn't show the affection toward her that he once did. And uh, she was just getting frustrated about that. And um, to make matters worse, a newlywed couple uh, moved in across the street. And uh, Monday morning comes around and the wife gets up and and she goes into the kitchen and she goes through her daily routine. She uh, gets her coffee, pours herself a cup of coffee and grabs her Bible off of the counter and goes out into the living room and she uh, sets her coffee and her Bible down. Before she crawls into her recliner, she walks over to the big picture window and opens the curtains and lo and behold, there's this newlywed couple out on the front porch. I mean, they're kissing and hugging and carrying on like, well, like newlyweds. And I mean, it's just in front of God and everybody. It didn't matter who was looking. It was just, they were just gross, as the little kids would say. Finally, after a few minutes, the young fella turns around, starts making his way to the driveway and gets about halfway to his car and he turns around and there's his wife. She's giving him kissy lips and fluttering her eyes and all of that. And boom, it's a, he makes a beeline right back to the front porch. And it's more kissing and hugging and carrying on like nobody's business. So the lady, she just ignores it and sits down in her recliner and has her devotions. Well, Tuesday morning rolls around and she gets up. She pours herself a cup of coffee. She grabs her Bible, goes out into the living room before she crawls in her recliner again. She walks over and she opens the, the curtains and there's this young couple again. And it's more of the same. Kissing, hugging, carrying on just in front of God and everybody. And she watches it for a couple of minutes and the young fella again, he, he starts making his way to, the, to his car, gets about halfway there and he looks back and there's his wife. And uh, his new bride, and she's giving him kissy lips and blowing him kisses and flirting with him, and boom, it's right back on the front porch for more hugging and kissing and carrying on. And she just gives a sigh, and so she goes and sits down in the, in the recliner, has her devotions. Wednesday morning comes around. She goes through her same routine, same thing. Thursday morning, same thing. Now she's really getting aggravated. She is really getting frustrated. And she, she decides, if, this, if, if I go to that window and they are there again on Friday, I, I'm going to make my husband come watch. And so sure enough, Friday morning rolls around, she opens the curtains, and there's that young couple again, kissing, hugging, carrying on. Well, this time, she calls for her husband. And uh, he comes, and he's standing there, and they're watching that. And finally, after a couple of minutes, she just elbows him and says, why can't you do that? He said, honey, I don't even know the lady. <laughs> so though we don't know you, 
um, you haven't treated us like strangers. And we're, we're thankful for that. Some of you are going, oh, gosh, where's this guy going? The pastor's down there going, ah, what's he going to do? <laughs> but thank you for loving us and uh, making us feel welcome at uh, Moses Lake Baptist Church. Acts chapter 13, let's stand if you're able. I'll read real quick the first three verses. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, it was called Niger, and Lucius and Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Thank you, and you may be seated. So Pastor said this morning, I uh, taught part one of a, a message on some characteristics of church planting churches, and I'll not go back and, and re-preach all of that uh, tonight, but I, I do want to quickly recap, for those that may have been in, out doing ministry otherwise, uh, just quickly recap what we talked about. Uh, we said that the first characteristic of a church planting church is that they are always looking to do more. And here was the thought uh, behind that. Um, just like you can't steer a parked car, God will not steer a church toward church planting that is not already moving to reach those around them. Does that make sense? And I shared this quote. And we are always in danger of slipping into a maintenance mentality in the church where we focus on maintaining our religious club and preserving its sacred traditions and we forget about the lost. Listen, it would not make a lick of sense for Moses Lake Baptist Church to be concerned about reaching people in Wenatchee if you weren't concerned about reaching lost people right here in Moses Lake. All right? So, number two, church planting churches are led by men who are sensitive to the Lord's leading. The church planting effort uh, at Antioch was not the result of some creatively crafted outreach effort. Uh, it wasn't done in an effort to start some new ministry trend. The leaders of the church did not gather and study some self-proclaimed experts book on church growth. The church planning effort in Antioch was the result of the Holy Spirit's leading. It was as simple as that. They did it because God said to do it. Next, we considered this thought. Church planting churches are willing to wait for God's timing. And I talked to you this morning uh, about uh, being careful that we don't let the urgency of church planting override the reality of it. And the reality is this. There is a right time to send the right man 
to the right place. And if we will wait for that, then we will enjoy the right result. And I have absolutely no doubt that Brother Micah and his family are right. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting behind them and, and joining in the effort and, and trying to get uh, Ridge Point Baptist Church up and going. And then we talked about the fact that church planting churches recognizes that God calls men. That would be opposed to pastors calling men or churches calling men. That's not how it works. God is the one who calls men. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, as they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. It is the Spirit of God who calls men. Just because a man is saved and can teach the Bible a little bit doesn't mean that he's called to be a church planter. That's very, very important. And so let's continue uh, tonight by looking at the fifth characteristic of a church planting church. If you're writing these down, uh, here's number five. Church planting churches are willing to make significant investments. They're willing to make significant investments. If you will look back at Acts chapter 11, you'll find that even in the early days of its existence, the church at Antioch was willing to make financial sacrifices. Now, let me preface anything that I, that I say here with this. I am not claiming that the way our church does things in this area is the only way to do it. I'm not here tonight to proclaim to you that the way Fellowship Baptist Church has done it is the best way to do it. I'm just suggesting tonight that it's our way of doing it. And that's what I like about being independent Baptist. We can do things however we feel like God wants us to do them. And we don't have to worry about what others are going to say. And I, I think that that's important. Um, it's the way that, that we have chosen to do it. When I knew that God was calling us to a ministry of church planning, and I shared that, a little bit of that with you this morning about the, the message that Pastor McQueen preached, who had been a prolific church planner uh, in the northeast part of the country and, and had a heart for church planting and a man that God had used greatly to plant a good number of churches uh, in Maine and, and, and that area up in there. And he was preaching at Southwest Baptist Church. It was the Wednesday night of the church planting conference in 2006. And uh, that message challenged me. And that message convicted me. And I, I called it this this morning. And I, uh, to me, it's what it is. It was my Antioch moment. It was my moment when God said, I want you to be involved in church planting. I want you to lead Fellowship Baptist Church, not in just sending money to church planters. I want you to raise up church planters and send men and women and their families out to begin planting churches. And, and when I knew that God was, was calling us to do them, I, I told our men that if we were going to bring these families in and um, mentor them and teach them and train them and invest in them, 
for, for three years or so and then send them out. I told our men that I, I felt we needed to be willing to make a substantial financial investment in them and that we needed to be committed for the long haul. And they agreed with that. Um, I did some informal polling of pastors earlier in the year at a, a ministry group that I'm a, a part of. Uh, and, and I this poll was regarding the support of church planters that were sent out of their church. And, and I asked them if they supported the, the men, the families that they sent out. I said, do you support them at the same level as other missionaries that you support? Or do you support them a, a modest amount above the other missionaries that you support? Or, I said, do you support them? Is your support of them significantly more than, than the other missionary families? Um, and the answer was the same across the board. The support, uh, they support their own church planters significantly more than they support any other missionary. As a matter of fact, some of them said that their support is two and a half to three times more the support that they give other missionaries. And, 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 and to me, my reasoning is this. Why shouldn't they? Those families are theirs. Those churches are their children. Those churches are their babies. And then this thought came to me. If the children in our Christian school are selling candy bars, for example, I am, I am likely to buy one candy bar from every one of our students who come to me. But if my grandson comes to me, Guess what Papa's doing? You got it. I'm buying a whole stinking box. Why? Because he's mine. Does that make sense? He's mine. He's part of my family. It's not that I don't like the other kids, and I'm, I'm going to support the other kids, but I'm going to support my own more than I'm going to support somebody else's. And again, it doesn't mean I don't love them or I don't appreciate them. I'm just, I'm just going to do it because they're mine. Does that make sense? So, listen, we, we support 70 or 80 missionaries every month, but we support our own far more than we support others. And it's simply because they're our own, they're our children. Those churches, Northway Baptist Church in Scottsdale, Arizona, and North Valley Baptist Church in Oro Valley, Arizona, those are our babies. And we're, we pour more into them than we do uh, anyone else. And, and here's a, a few things that the financial investment of the fellowship family has done for our church planters. First of all, one of the, the biggest things that it's done is that it, and this is the, the testimony of Brother John Bott and Brother Alfred King, and they both said to me, Pastor, it has eliminated a lot of stress. Now, we all know 
that one of the, the leading causes of marriage problems, even in Christian homes, and I would add even in ministry homes, is money. I mean, it, that's, that's just the way it is. And planning a church is stressful enough on a family without having to deal with the stress brought on by a lack of finances. And thankfully, we've been able to alleviate some of that in the life of the King family and the Vaught family. It has also drastically cut down on the amount of deputation time. Um, the Kings were only on deputation a little over six months. Uh, the Vaughts uh, were out about nine or, or ten months. And listen, that sure beats the 18 to 24 months that some of these guys are having to put in on the road. I mean, that's a lot of time. And listen, if we can, if we can help families to stay off the highways in America, that's awesome. But it just, it's, there is an incredible amount of wear and tear on a family as they tote their, their children from church to church to church, to church, to church. And if we can cut down on that by making a, a more substantial investment in the lives of our own missionaries, then we're going to do that. And then to me, this is a big one. It has allowed them to avoid having to get a secular job so they can devote themselves fully to the work of the ministry. And listen, I... I John would have gotten a job. Alfred would have gotten a job if they needed to. I have absolutely no doubt about that. But we wanted to make sure they didn't have to. It's not because we wanted to spoil them. It's not because they're weak. It's just because time is of the essence. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but it seems to me we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been. I mean, you look at all this stuff, Turkey, uh, they're, they're lining up with Russia and all of that, and you begin to look at that and study that. Listen, that, that, that 10 country federation in the book of Revelation, it's coming together. Now, I won't get into all of that, but I'm not a prophecy guru. I just happen to be writing a series of lessons on end times for our adult Bible studies. And, but I'm telling you, it's coming together. Uh, it's all coming together. And we don't have time to mess around. And we need to get these men to where they're going. We need to get them supported to the point that they can devote themselves totally and completely to the work of the ministry. And again, listen, I'm not saying that our way is the only way or, or that our way is even the best way. Listen, we are still learning from church plant to church plant. Uh, we learn things uh, about church planting from the kings uh, that allowed us to make changes that advantaged uh, our second church planters, the Vots. And we've learned things from the Vots that uh, will advantage us in, in when we get ready to send out Brother Mike and Shelby Collins and, and their family. We're always learning. And so I'm not standing here uh, tonight as an expert. I'm just sharing some things that we've done and giving you the testimony from our own church planters. Said, Preacher, this is what your investment in, in uh, our ministry has done for us. And, and I can't help but think that, that it would do the same for any church planter. So we're just convinced that church planting churches should be willing to make significant investments in the families they send out. 
And then I want you to jump over to chapter 14 of the book of Acts. And I think that this one is, is so incredibly important. Uh, it's, it's number six. The sixth characteristic of church planting churches is this. They stay connected. Church planting churches stay connected. Look at chapter 14 and verse 26. And thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, the missionaries, uh, this is Paul and, and Barnabas had been sent out. Now they're coming back. And verse 27, and when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Listen, church, the connection that church families make with the church planters and vice versa will prove to be invaluable as the years go by. You've obviously had that advantage here with, with the Bosworths being a part of, uh, of your church staff. And I'm confident tonight, uh, knowing your pastor, and I believe what, he, what I think he believes about this, I'm confident that, that we would agree tonight that there is a need for a mother church. Churches plant churches. Brother Micah is not commissioned to just go out somewhere and, and start meeting somewhere with a group of people and, and throw up a sign that says church. Churches start churches. Um, I mean, that's a biblical principle. Kind produces kind. And uh, I think that that is borne out all throughout the book of Acts. But can I just say this tonight? That there is more to being a mother than just having your name on a birth certificate. Would you ladies agree with that? There's more to being a mom than just having your, your name on a birth certificate. And by the same token, I would say this tonight. There's more to being a sending church than just having your name on a prayer card. I, I guess their name is on the prayer card somewhere. There... There's more, Moses Lake Baptist Church, there's more to being a sending church than just having your name on a prayer card. In addition to pastoring, I think I mentioned this this morning, um, I have been involved in police work as a, as a patrol officer since 2006. And having to deal with, uh, with homeless people and, and with vagrants, um, it's sad to hear them talk about how, how they have no idea where their mom is. I mean, I've talked to people that haven't seen their mom in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. They have no idea where their mom is, and I'm sure their mom has no idea where they are. And I promise you tonight that there are church planters out there who wish like crazy they could have a connection with the church that gave them birth. And as Brother Micah gets out there and visits more church planters, um, he'll hear that. Our church planters heard that. Uh, they would, others would lament over the fact 
that, they, that their church just isn't connected with them. It's like they just sent them out and, uh, you know, they're, they're just, they don't hear from them. They don't, they don't talk to them. Uh, they, don't, they don't communicate with them. And I'm telling you, church planters wish they had a connection with the church that sent them out. I have a situation uh, in mind in which a, a man interned for a, a church for like three years. And when it came time for uh, him to leave, and, and I don't know if it's because the church couldn't or, or, or it's because they wouldn't, but they didn't sponsor him. And so now he's left trying to find a church that would serve as a sending church because he wants to do things biblically. And after a few phone calls, he eventually found one. But I don't know how vested they really are in his ministry. And I'll tell you, I think that's sad. I think that's sad. I wish every sending church had an ongoing close relationship with their church planners. And I know that some do. And that's, that's good. And that's wonderful. But I wish they all did. Now, let's go back to the homeless person who has no meaningful connection with family. There have been times, especially during the winter, um, when I've been called to a location uh, in, our, in our community to, to deal with one of these folks. And, and I'll be honest, there have been times I've thrown some money at them so they can get a meal. And, and uh, I've taken them to a hotel. And, and uh, our church has, has paid the bill for them to, to stay someplace warm uh, for the night. But, but listen, if they were to call me, which they won't, they don't have my number, but if, if somehow they were to reach out to me, let's say tomorrow, what little I did for them months ago, listen, that wasn't enough for me to have the kind of connection with them that would compel me to help them again. Does that make sense? It's not like we formed a bond uh, over that, that period of time. But... Let's say my daughter calls me tomorrow and says, Daddy, I need whatever. It wouldn't matter what whatever was. You parents, are, are you with me tonight? It wouldn't matter. I would do everything within my power to make sure she had what she needed. Why? Because there's been a... How old is Tiffany? There's been a 29-year connection with that girl. And I'm her daddy. And we, we communicate a lot. We see each other a lot. You tracking with me? That's why it's important for church planters and their sending church to stay connected. Listen, I struggle, Brother Dennis, I struggle with this concept of, of church planning where, where someone puts a guy before the church, throws a few dollars, and God bless you at them, and then sends him and his family out and proudly wears the, the, the banner sending church. There's more to it than that. And it's for that reason... Um, 
that pastors that have, have talked to me about church planting, um, that's why I've been honest with them, that Fellowship Baptist Church probably will not plant a lot of churches. But the churches we plant, we're going to be invested in and we're going to be connected with and they're going to be ours. And we're going to treat them like we treat our own children and our own grandchildren because we feel like we have a responsibility for them. Here's what, here's what Katie and I uh, have found out. Just And you other parents, I think you would... You would uh, concur with this, just because your married children, your children have gotten married and, and left home doesn't mean they don't need their mom and dad. Here's what we found. They just need us on a different level. They just need us in a different way. But they still need us. And listen, five, six, seven, ten years down the road, Ridgepoint Baptist Church is still going to need Moses Lake Baptist Church. And so there needs to be an ongoing connection um, with them. So please, please stay connected. Text them. Email them. FaceTime them. If you're old school, write them. Now that's an archaic thought, isn't it? Now here's the cool thing about writing them. You can also put some cash in there or you can put a gift card in there. I'm just telling you, stay connected with this family because there are going to be times when they don't have anybody but you. You're all they have. And they're going to be discouraged and they're going to wonder if it's worth it and she's going to get tired of being the only one hearing him preach. <laughs> and there's going to be Mondays when one of you are just going to send them a text message or an email and it's going to encourage them and it's going to help them make it to the next Sunday. Does that make sense? And that's a characteristic of a church planting church is they stay connected. That is so vitally important. And then here's the final characteristic tonight and I'll be done. Number seven, church planting churches Ask the right question. God's modus operandi seems to be to call to missions, whether it be church planting in the States or around the world. For some reason, God seems to see fit to call those whose absence is going to leave the biggest hole. Have you ever noticed that? He's going to call those. It's not like, but, but God, I've got some, I'll send. <laughs> God, I've got some, I'll give you. <laughs> no, no, no. God says, I want the best. Now, I, I've got a quote uh, that I've asked the guys to put on the screen simply because it's a long quote. But it's, uh, it's by John Phillips. And I love what he said here. Look at this church. He said, Barnabas and Saul were not men who had come forward under the high pressure urging of a visiting revivalist. They were men 
who had proved themselves in the local church at Antioch by by steady application to the work of God in that church and city. These were men who had labored in the Antioch church. They had seen souls saved there. Their ministry had been a benediction or a blessing to the saints. They had proved themselves to be gifted evangelists. And they had demonstrated their ability to teach. They had pastored that church, shepherding the flock, following up converts, visiting the sick, helping widows and orphans, ministering solace to the bereaved. Under their ministry, the church had grown. Everybody knew them. They were loved, trusted, respected, and consulted. They were gracious in their manner, gifted in the word, glorious in their achievements. They were the two best men the Antioch church had. To send them to the mission field would be like cutting off an arm and a leg. They would be sorely missed at home. Nobody knew who would be able to fill the gap that they would leave behind. These men were no dropouts from the business world, failures at everything else, and therefore called to the mission field. These were men who would make a mark anywhere. And they had made a mark in Antioch and in the dynamic, down-to-earth, wide-visioned church in that town. Those are the kinds of people that God calls to plant churches. He calls the best of the best. And so what should a church planting church be willing to ask themselves, knowing that if God calls someone out of their midst, it's going to be some of the best. I'm talking about a Micah and Rebecca Bosworth. What should you be asking about this whole thing right now? Well, let me tell you what you should not be asking. This is the wrong question. How will we survive without them? That's not the right question. The right question is, listen, how could we expand God's mission with See the difference? Not what are we going to do without them, but how can we expand God's mission with them? Although John Vaught, our our church planner in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Alfred King, who's our church planner in Oral Valley, Arizona, even though they were interns, I'm telling you, their departure left some big holes. Because like Paul and Barnabas, they were men who had proven themselves by steady application to the work of God in our church and in our city. They were men who had had labored in the work of Fellowship Baptist Church. They had seen souls saved there. Under their ministry, listen, our church grew. 
because they were there. And here's what's, what's really wonderful. To this day, there were people in Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday night who were the results of John Vaught's ministry at Fellowship Baptist Church, who were the result of Alfred and Shirley King's ministry at Fellowship Baptist Church. And today they're teaching and they're serving as trustees and they're singing in the choir. That's the kind of investment and the kind of, of blessing that these men were to Fellowship Baptist Church. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. Hello? And all of a sudden, I mean, they're, they're gone. And, and listen, even though, even though we knew that they were going into, uh, or excuse me, even though going into this church planning endeavor, we knew that they were just interns, that they, they weren't there for the long haul, and that they were just there for, for three or four years. I'm telling you, losing them was not easy. It wasn't. But it was necessary, both for them and for us. Just watching Micah and, and his wife, it, just in this day, the only time I've been at Moses Lake Baptist Church, just watching them today, I can only imagine the hole that their departure is going to create in the ministry of Moses Lake Baptist Church. But again, sending them out is necessary both for them and for you as a church. And so as we wrap this up tonight, instead of asking, what are we going to do without them? Ask, how can we extend God's mission in Wenatchee with Fellowship Baptist Church is excited about getting behind this family. And even if we can't work out a time for them to come to the great metropolis of liberal Kansas and see Tyrone, Oklahoma, where my good friend Arnie is from. Listen, I put that on Facebook today and it just blew up. I mean, I, my Tyrone friends, they just couldn't believe that I came 1,166 miles. That's how far it is. And found somebody who grew up in our little town. Now listen, you got to understand, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for us. It's like, it's like this guy's a rock star already. But listen, even if they never come, Brother Michael, we're going to support you. Now, I hope you can come. I want you to see what God's done in our little corner of the world. But even if they can't, I promise you, we're going to get behind them. And we're going to support them. Because I think that's what we ought to do. I, I know you're even, listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. Even, and I wish more churches would do it this way. Even if I never met them. Because I know your pastor. And I know what he stands for. And I know what he preaches. That would be good enough for me. His endorsement of them would be good enough for me. And that's a whole other message for another time. But I, I, I wish that more pastors would consider. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know his pastor. I know that church. I know they're solid. I know they're strong. I know they're doctrinally sound. 
So listen, I'm not going to make them travel four hours out of their way to come to liberal Kansas because you don't come through liberal Kansas. You, you, listen, nobody says, well, we're just passing through. Okay? Go home, look on the map. You don't just pass through liberal Kansas. You come there on purpose. I mean, you can't even, you can't even go through there when you're lost. Okay? You come through there on purpose. And I have no idea where I'm going with this other than to say, other than to say, we're going to be behind the church plant in Wenatchee, even though I have no idea where Wenatchee is. Like you have no idea where Tyrone is. But we're going to get behind you. And church, I hope that you'll stay behind this family and that you'll love them and that you'll invest in them and you'll stay connected with them. Because I'm telling you, telling you they're going to need it it's going to start out like wildfire and then at some point people are going to say yeah this is not for me and and your pastor can tell you here it's going to go up and down up and down up and down and they're going to need people like you in their corner who are writing and texting and facetiming and just letting them know hey we we're praying for you amen let's pray Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that this sermon was an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. If you have any questions about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.